1: offering perspectives of hope through Jesus Christ. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview. When I hosted this show in Hawaii, I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Join us now, open your heart to what God has to say to you. Sometimes, God's calling is mysterious and hard to discern. Other times, it's as apparent as the difference between night and day, despair and hope, death and life. After a tumultuous childhood, Casey Lynn experienced a radical transformation that changed her life's trajectory. This program, yes, this show, dear friend, may very well impact your life trajectory. I'm talking starting today. We pause at the beginning of our show to remind you the reason we have the Good Life radio program is to lead you closer and closer to Jesus Christ. For you to know that there is always hope in Jesus, no matter what you're going through, what you're facing, where you've been, even what you've done. There is always hope in Jesus. Because God loves you so much, He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. He shed His precious blood on that cross to wash your sins away. He was buried, and three days later, He rose again from the grave. And the living Christ, who has touched the heart and changed the life of Casey Lynn, is here calling you a question will you respond to Jesus would you open your heart to Christ and receive him as your Savior and Lord will you surrender your life to the Lord and and live for him and let him sustain you and hold you and carry you through at age 18 Casey Lynn left her family and friends in Texas to attend a Japanese University after nearly a decade abroad in Yokohama, Japan and Bristol, England, Casey returned to Houston where she taught middle schoolers and met her husband, well at that time husband-to-be and now husband Dr. Jonathan Lynn. Casey, welcome to our
2: show. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Well, I mentioned Houston, Texas, but tell us more about where it was in Houston and what it was like growing up there.
2: Well, I grew up to a family of five. I'm a middle child, and um, I wasn't really overlooked. My parents were loving, and they were um, Christ followers, and they endeavored to show us who God was at a young age. Um, However, when I was two years old, I was diagnosed with ADHD. Um, They found me just to be a little different from my siblings, and as I grew up, it was very clear that I didn't have the moral compass of my siblings, and I really struggled um, in my childhood.
1: Just uh, take a moment. Uh, you mentioned struggling, you mentioned ADHD, mm-hmm. uh, you talk about a moral compass. Um, it, it, what does that mean? In what way uh, was that a struggle?
2: This is a good question. I think all children struggle with understanding right and wrong, and parents try their best to teach it to them. And I was exposed to the Bible and shown, you know, truth about what is good for others and what is good for yourself. Um, but I didn't feel it in my heart. And in fact, I saw it as something that got in the way of what I wanted. And so when confronted with a choice, I think, well, what do I want out of this situation? And I would try and take advantage. And lie and cover it up.
1: Now, explain to uh, to avoid presumption, to avoid well, assuming that everyone knows what ADHD is. Explain to us what what it is, and uh, what were or what are typically the effects of ADHD.
2: Well, attention deficit hyperactive disorder is um, a disease that's characterized mostly by a lack of executive function. So your ability to control making decisions, to organize tasks, um, it happens in the brain. But it's also seen by the common symptoms of impulsivity, struggling to sit down, struggling to think things through, and um, also see consequences of behavior.
1: So even when you talk about a moral compass and some of the choices that you made or that one would make, uh, as someone who has ADHD. Uh, is it, is it uh, am, I, am I on, am I in the radius of some level of accuracy in saying that one who has ADHD grows up being misunderstood?
2: Absolutely. I think it's a special challenge for the person with ADHD to understand the people around them, but also for others to understand their actions. It was a very lonely childhood because I would, you know, I would um, push away the people closest to me without meaning to.
1: And, and not knowing why?
2: No, I, a great example would be um, once a friend of mine um, was about to let reveal a childhood secret, and I wanted to get her to be quiet and kind of rapid fire. I had this image in my brain of, oh, you can, you know, muffle someone's mouth with a pillow. So I'm like, oh, I should throw a pillow at her. I had a textbook in my hand, so I threw a textbook at her face. <laughs> and with ADHD, it's, of course, in the moment of flinging the textbook, you realize, I don't want to hit my friend with a book. And um, and that's hard for people to understand. Let's
1: pause a moment, too. Uh, yeah. With, with this, let's... I, explain, if you can, uh, what what a mind is like. Mm-hmm. When how thing, how fast are things moving, and, and and maybe even making making, or lacking the connections.
2: I think that's the great that's the greatest um, description I've I've heard for a while. You know there are a lot of connections that should be made when you get stimulus and I would notice something or I would have a train of thought and then halfway through forget what I was talking about because I saw something else that's interesting and and that's something that uh, I've as an adult deal with better but certainly as a kid um, I never really knew where I was I felt a little bit detached from reality because it just seemed like things would happen that didn't make sense.
3: Mm. I think it's also true that ADHD affects children differently. Absolutely. But now, and we might get into this, am I remembering that one of the things you really enjoyed to do was read? Yes. And that I uh, tutored a boy from 12 to about 16 who was ADHD, and it just is reminding me that his strong point was reading. So that's interesting to me because it's also
2: activity, Mm -hmm.
3: it's also activity, but reading is sitting. (laughs) Can
2: you expand on that a little bit for me? Sure. If you have seen a child with ADHD, you've probably been surprised or frustrated by the fact that sometimes if the child looks very engaged in what they're doing, they can sit still or maintain focus, what we call hyper-focus, for an extended period of time when that happens, what's different from, I think, the focus of someone who has more normative mental activity, that child will not be able to detach. They might, you know, have resistance um, about leaving that moment, or they might even struggle to um, hear anything that's happening around them while they're focused. So it's an extreme attention issue.
1: Who influenced you most in your growing up years?
2: Well, my parents tried very hard um, to, to really get through to me, but it ended up being when I was 13 years old, a teacher who I didn't know very well at all. And up to that point, I had already been expelled from fourth grade, and I w- had been homeschooled briefly before my parents um, had me go to three different schools in quick succession, and I was at risk of leaving this school. And a teacher had seen me reading a book in class And when I wasn't supposed to. And then I, of course, had the book confiscated. So I just got another one out of my bag. And (laughs) and so he took me outside and sat me down. And um, this was a public school, but he started talking to me, asking me serious, deep questions about what I was doing. And then he exposed his faith in God and how it impacted him and what he'd seen. And uh, an incredible transformation happened to me, not so much i think by what he said but because god had prepared my heart and uh, in that moment um, i had the holy spirit come upon me and through uh, the words of my teacher mr turk um, the the lord revealed to me who i was and where i was and whose i was that i was his and that my behavior wasn't matching and uh when i read in acts when Saul becomes Paul, when he makes the transformation from, you know, being a persecutor of the faith um, to being, of course, um, among the family, he says that scales fell off his eyes. And I experienced something like that. Like, it sounds really impossible, but I looked up and everything was crystal clear around me. In the hallway, I could see just lines of bricks going down. I'd been in that school and never noticed. I never had any idea what was around me.
1: So, But you still had ADHD.
2: I did. I do, yes.
1: So what difference would you say, um, at least at that point, Christ made in your life?
2: Well, it was an understanding of purpose. When I had been younger, I hadn't known Christ, and I hadn't understood that his words were real and offered hope. Um, but through reading the Bible I was slowly being transformed in my heart that I would feel guilt when I did wrong things. It was all at once. Um, prior to that point I just wanted to do what I wanted and I could now no longer even imagine that person. It hurt to look back on that. And so I would continue to make missteps, but my attitude was so different mm. that it yielded differences in the people around me. Um that changed spirit. I realized that having a heart filled with grace and saved by grace also caused grace to be returned to me.
1: You're listening to Casey Lynn. Casey uh, has been very gracious, uh, even in this first segment of our show, sharing her uh, condition, uh, uh, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, describing some of her experiences, even, uh, letting us in on some of the feelings and some of the misunderstandings that one goes through having having that condition. The Lord has certainly touched her heart, and uh, we have her here with us sharing with you of the mighty things that God can do. When we come back from our break, we'll talk more with Casey. You know, Casey uh, made a decision at the age of 18 to uh, travel away from home. It wasn't to another city, it wasn't to another state, it wasn't even to another part of the country, it was to another country, far, far away. Now I'm wondering, why did she do that? What motivated her? What circumstances surrounded her decision? Because it has uh, impacted her, yes, changed the trajectory of her life, yes, made her who she is today repositioned by God for God's purpose. Stay with us. We'll be back. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. Mae Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's Dr. Danny. Live. Thank you.
0: Hear me Hear me You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today.
1: Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co-host Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. You say, Danny, what are you talking about? Experience what? I'm talking about, unless you have ADHD, you don't really know. I mean, it could be described to you. Perhaps if it's even described to you, maybe as a parent or as a friend or as a grandparent, and you realize that's how your son or daughter or your grandchild is living or seeing or feeling, perhaps it'll make you cry
3: Mm
1: -hmm. because for so long they live in a, in a world of misunderstanding, maybe even discipline, that you would have thought differently about it if you understood the situation. You're listening to the Good Life Radio Show. Danny Yamashiro here, Suzanne Maher, my co-host, and our guest today, Casey Lynn. Casey, uh, why did you leave your family and friends in Texas at the age of 18?
2: Well, it's a funny thing. When I became a Christian and when I created, when I've had that identity created, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to try a new thing for a while. I actually felt like I was reborn. I could look back and realize I had no idea what I was doing. And I saw that everything that um, that was laid ahead for me was thanks to God. There was absolutely no way I would have had a future. I was on track to not only get expelled from middle school or high school, but to go to prison if I'd continued in some of the choices I was making. I won't glorify the sons. Um, and so I just wanted to give everything I was back to God. And when I was um, only a year after I was saved, I this was— This be at about 14? At 14. 14 years old. I was talking to some teachers about my passions and— One of my passions was for the country of Japan. My great grandparents had lived in Japan, as my grandfather had as well. And I had become interested in Japan. um, As missionaries? No, they had just lived there selling insurance to soldiers after the war. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And so that had grown up, you know, subtly around me um, Mm. in my, you know, South Texas home. But there was just a special love for it placed on my heart just like some people love baseball or some people love drawing and that combined with my love for english and books and of course my now appreciation for teachers and education um and a powerful appreciation it wasn't surprising that when a teacher suggested well, have you ever thought of going to japan as an english teacher i jumped on it i thought that is what god created me to do and
1: so mm-hmm. th- is this Leading up to your 18th year, it leading did. up to high school, almost near graduation, it changed
2: all of high school, and so it caused me to change high schools so I could learn Japanese and commute 30 minutes and back to a school where they taught it, and we had an exchange student. And I told my parents when I was 16 about this university that I'd found initially because it was a sister uh, college of these two schools I'd already been looking at, but I thought, well. Why waste my time in the U.S.? I could really learn Japanese culture and, of course, Japanese language, if I'm in Japan, much better than I could stateside. Um, and like I said before, they love God and they pray diligently. And by 18, they were just as excited as me.
1: Suzanne, this is a remarkable uh... I might not have made it as smooth enough a transition as we came back to the show because I talked about ADHD and, of course, someone might be listening and they say, well, Casey Lynn, where's the connection? Well, Casey grew up at the age of two. She was diagnosed with ADHD but yes. grew up with a lot of misunderstanding. She's not going to glorify the things that – but but she made some choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, her moral compass was, uh, you know, maybe skewed off in, in one form or another to certain levels of extreme. But at the age of 13, her, her, a teacher led her to Christ. A mm-hmm. teacher. She experienced the ministry of the Holy Spirit coming upon her and changed life. I think that the significance of it, really, in one form, is someone who is very much misunderstood. And the condition hasn't changed in, in the sense that you, the Lord didn't heal you from it no. at the moment that... It, you got saved, but you became a different person in the midst of
2: it. Exactly, and I think that's the true healing power of Christ: is that he he doesn't necessarily take away the thorns from our sides, but then he transforms them, and he shows us his power through them. and And it was really radical at my school the year after my conversion. Um, it was, and of course, meeting people from my childhood. Years from then, it was just like meeting new people for them. It sounds like God healed
3: her spiritually, mm-hmm. but not physically. Exactly. And I think that happens in people's lives, and sometimes they even miss it, or sometimes they have to look back to realize, I'm still struggling physically, but I've been healed spiritually. I'm a new creation in Christ, and and this was radical. Yeah and wonderful
1: now when before the age of 13 and just go right on and say danny that's not what it was (laughs) because because i'm 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 sort of creating a kind of a hypothesis of sorts did the misunderstandings and and coupled with the instincts and the impulses but the misunderstandings and then the discipline—did it lead to anger, uh, and, and mm-hmm. uh, that that fuel sort of like a like a downward spiral that fuels even more misunderstanding and more.
2: I think for a lot of sufferers of ADHD, that's exactly what happens. There's a particular um, spectrum for ADHD, and some people end up with aggression. I ended up with um, anxiety and depression, Ooh. which I first was. Yeah, unfortunately, when I was in kindergarten, that was the first time that was really um, evident. And I had to battle that at different points in my life. Um, And when I was was saved, though, after 13, that was the first time I actually looked at my own actions and was objectively able to say, oh, that was wrong, that was bad. And then sometimes I struggled with turning it inward. And I had to learn to give that to Christ and accept his forgiveness. So this is like... Self-blame. I I started to do that thinking, Mm. well, what's wrong with me? Why was I doing all those things? Were you medicated at all? Mm -hmm. My parents um, were trying to medicate since I was about five or six. So medication was a hard journey for us. Um, I am on a medication today. um, And I certainly advocate it as a coping mechanism, but not as the answer.
1: Mm. Describe your experience at university in Japan. And if you you feel, if you're able to share, what university was it and and, and what was that experience
2: like? Well, the name of the university. By the way, her
1: face face is beaming right now.
2: (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) The name of the university is International Christian University in Tokyo. I loved it. And um, it's this brilliant wooded campus um, in the outskirts of Tokyo And the people there come from all over the world, and not many of them are Christian. So the Christians I did meet there, we quickly decided that we needed to find a way to worship on campus. And so we created an organization called Worship Night, which was just a time when we would share testimonies and sing songs together. And I was introduced to the cajon and (laughs) played hand drums with them very poorly. But it was it was a wonderful experience.
1: Now, how did the Lord use that to prepare you for ministry at at a girls' school in Yokohama?
2: Well, one of the um, well in in Japanese we call them kohai, a girl who was two years younger than me, um, said she was very impacted by my testimony and my sharing, and she thought that I looked like a good teacher, which is an interesting thing to hear. But Um, she really believed in me and she said I need to tell my old teacher about you at my school festival in a couple of weeks because you seem like you would be a good fit for that school. She knew that I was job hunting at the time and it's very difficult in a foreign country. You don't have as many connections as as you would otherwise. And she did ask about you know if there were jobs and there were only two teachers who'd been there for a very long time. So nothing came of it um, until I think about six to eight months later, I was um, in Peru and I got an email and it was from that teacher. He had been given my contact information from my Kohai and he asked me to send a resume, which I happened to have in my USB, in my backpack, even though I was traveling in South America for one month. Why did I have my resume? It's clearly God's plan.
1: What is a greenhouse ministry?
2: So when I um, got this job working at Ferris Jogakuin, it's um, a senior jun- it's a junior and senior high school in Yokohama, and it was the, um, the first women's seminary that was actually founded in Japan. I'm going to answer your question, I promise. Um, this school um, rose up as a way to show Christ to the Japanese people, and they continue in their mission today. And the old um, quarters of the headmistress um, is now a facility called Greenhouse where um, the first floor is designated to youth ministry. And I would live on the second floor and on the first floor um, twice a week, um, a number of girls would come and learn English and we would talk about God and share um, messages with them like a little mini worship service.
1: She has a heart for young people. She has served in Japan as a teacher Uh, when we come back well you know when we come back I I, I am interested in her uh, it's more than an affinity it's it seems like a passion Suzanne yes uh, for the culture the culture of Japan her her grandparents were there great-grandparents too? My my great-grandparents. So uh, selling insurance you're listening to Casey Lynn it's a blessing and a privilege to have her in studio with us today When we come back from our break, more from her. And by the way, not only Japan, Yokohama, Japan, there's more to the story in England. But I'm going to stop there. When we come back from our break, Casey will share more of her journey with us. You know, she joined the Church of Christ in Japan, served as a domestic missionary at a girls' school, greenhouse ministry, she explained that. But asylum seekers, mm, that should hold you. Stay with us. You don't want to miss this. Now we'll be right back.
3: Wandering the road of desperate life, aimlessly beneath the barren sky, leave it to me, I'll you
1: home. Hi, this is Danny Yamashiro. In what way have you seen God work powerfully in your life? Do you have a story? to share about God's provision and deliverance. Have you experienced God's healing? Do you have a testimony that will encourage others? 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up. I want to share your story on our radio podcast. Please visit drdanny.live and share your Jesus story by clicking on the link at the top left of the home page. If you'd like to share your testimony in the form of a letter, send your correspondence to Formation Institute, P.O. Box 381222, Cambridge, Massachusetts 02238. That's Formation Institute, P.O. Box 381222, Cambridge, Massachusetts 02238.
0: You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today.
1: Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co-host Suzanne Maurer please enjoy. So Casey, how did God lead you to Bristol, England after Japan?
2: Well, I shared with you about my passion for Japan and this ministry I felt was God's calling for me. And it had always been so clear that this is how God had designed me. I was really well equipped to be in this role. But at 25, I, I had a bit of a shock. My contract came up and um, there was no option for an extension. And I started looking into how can I stay in Japan? How can I keep serving when it looked like doors were being closed? And um, and it was, a, it was a difficult time. But I did have a friend who um, gave me some guidance. And she said, you can always apply for a master's program. And there's rolling admissions in England, so you could still probably hop on board for that. And a master's degree would allow me to come back to Japan and be a university professor, which looked like a long-term career um, option. So I applied, and I got some acceptances, and I just couldn't look at them. I, I didn't even want to deal with them in my inbox, because I had um, accepted another teaching position um, coming from the next spring, and, and I... Felt on one hand this was, was right but in my heart it wasn't and I didn't know what to do with that dissonance um, And so around the end of the summer, I suddenly had to face up to what God was telling me you know he was he was telling me to go to England and I was very grateful I hadn't deleted those emails. <laughs> okay, so in this
1: moment of tension yes mm-hmm. uh, we already know what she's what decision she made. But why was it so difficult? What is it about the Japanese culture being there that that it's such a hold on your heart?
2: Well, the, the hold is still on my heart. I deeply love Japan, and, and I'm always craving opportunities to uh, use Japanese and share with Japanese people um, that God has a wonderful heart for them. I think to answer your question, any Christian— goes through life wondering, how is God going to use me? And sometimes being human, we think, well, this is who I am and what I want to do and what I'm good at. And we're not listening to God anymore. And uh, at that time, I was so convinced of the narrative I had told myself about God, I had stopped having a relationship with him. And God wanted me to, to really enjoy his presence and be fulfilled. And part of that Um, required leaving Japan for some time.
1: We need to camp here a Mm -hmm. little little Mm -hmm. bit. You said said it in a succinct manner, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of depth here. Mm -hmm. This is profound. Mm -hmm. Let's delve deeper. You talked about a narrative, Mm -hmm. a narrative that you began to see and believe. This is my narrative, Mm -hmm. my story, that God gave me. That's right. But where, you mentioned dissonance, so where did the, there's another dissonance, where did the dissonance come now between this I'm living God's narrative from the relationship
2: Mm. with Christ? When you pray and stay in the word, it brings so much joy. And God really speaks to you and you feel that relationship. And just like you would with the human relationship, it's really quite similar. except of course, the faithfulness of the Lord and the depth of his love. When I was approaching the end of my time in Japan, I was struggling with a lot of feelings of sadness and a sense of um, not knowing the direction where I was going. And there were a lot of signs around me at that time that things were coming to an end and I kept fighting it because I had decided when I was saved, well, I must have been saved for a reason. You know, I had been going nowhere. Now I gave myself to God. This was the path for me. I had no way of conceiving being me except for this path I had kind of positioned myself in and that God had led me into. When
1: it comes to relationship, relationship with God, what you're saying is we can, we can in essence be doing something that we believe is for God. Mm Mm-hmm. In absence of a relationship
2: with God, yes, I wasn't really listening to Him anymore or talking to Him about it. I was just going off of old news, so to speak. Were you in the Word? I think at that time I was in the Word, but I was looking for what I wanted to see. Hmm.
1: Well, it, it's it's so subtle. Hmm. Uh, we don't often talk much about this. I think at that at, certainly at this level, where. Um, we could be doing something for God, and we we, it could even be something we we started off really well because when God revealed it, when God opened doors, when God provided, we saw His hand in such a clear, distinct way, mm. and then we're in this new experience, and then it becomes normal, the mm-hmm. normal life with God, and and yet void of that intimacy. This there's, this. There's, Am I am I on am I on the right track here, uh, Casey? Absolutely, Danny.
3: It's like a lessening of the cross. Your grasp of the cross. Um, we need to really cling, uh, on a daily basis, almost throughout the day, to the cross of Jesus Christ. And when we start releasing that grasp or, or grip, if
2: you will, would that
3: kind of describe what you were doing?
2: Yeah, I was I was trying to prove myself mm-hmm. and, you know, show that I was worthy. I think I was trying to do all the right things and I was so, um I really enjoyed the work that I did, but that helped me to kind of ignore the lack of intimacy with Christ and that period of silence that I had.
1: Okay, but you didn't stay there. No. You didn't stay there. You God in his sovereign grace and his plan took you through how did that how did how did that take place in your heart and then tell us about England
2: well it was it was actually scarier than going to Japan was leaving Japan because I had to confront the possibility that God God isn't in me and that God truly is beyond my understanding and that he might have a purpose I didn't know yet And I had to walk in a calling I didn't understand. And I knew that there had been a reason that I hadn't been able to delete those emails. Even though I had another job lined up, I should have declined the offers and I didn't. And I ended up choosing um, one of the schools, which was University of Bristol. And I had some difficulty getting the visa worked out. I arrived just before the first two days, just one and a half days ahead of the first day of class. But within 36 hours, before I'd even gone to class, I already had a church. I already had friends. I had already found a place. And all of the wanting and all of the pain I'd experienced in Japan was already being um, given a balm. It was was profound.
1: A balm. Yes. A soothing ointment. Is That's what you're right. saying in your heart?
2: Because I do believe that our God is a healer, and, and He loves to take care of us. He doesn't want us to feel hurt, um, and is, and I've never experienced anything like that. What did hmm. you
1: study there at University of Bristol?
2: I studied um, my master's in teaching English to speakers of other languages. Um, I had, I had, and continued to have a strong passion.
1: What was that experience like?
2: It was an affirming um, affirming time. I could see I could see um, that it wasn't an accident that I was in education mm. I really enjoyed um, getting to have conversations with others who were in that position um, And I also enjoyed having the opportunity to expand. My horizons, instead of just my experience, which had been limited to Japanese people at that point, I was able to reach out to a whole new population. Um, there was a woman in our church who is one of the managers of an organization called Borderlands, which specifically ministers to refugees and asylum seekers, or asylum seekers, mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. say in the U.S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. um, thank you. In Bristol, um, in the United Kingdom, and they had a shortage of teachers and certainly a shortage of trained teachers.
1: When we come back in our final segment, we'll talk with um, Casey Lynn about working with internationals, working with refugees. Hey, this is a big word nowadays because of uh, political uh, impact. Refugees and asylum seekers.
3: Mm.
1: (laughs) I guess as they say in England. Uh, you see, Danny. Wait, wait a minute. Asylum, asylum. Yeah, I'm confused, man. <laughs> well, when we come back, you, you get the point. She <laughs> will explain what that all means, and we'll even have a... I, I, well, Suzanne. I think we need to have a time of prayer. I do too. Um, because of what, maybe stirring in people's hearts, maybe a stirring. Maybe someone with ADHD or knows someone. Yes. Maybe someone who is called to go. Mm-hmm. to serve. Stay with us. We'll be back with more.
3: Wandering the road of desperate life Namelessly beneath the barren sky Leave it to me i
1: lead you home Hi, this is Danny Yamashiro. A woman in Boston recently told me, I listen to your program every day and was inspired by the man who became an NFL quarterback. A person in Orlando said, I heard your podcast of the man who came to God during the Jesus movement. Another friend said, That pastor who gave one of his organs to a boy without ever meeting the child touched me about Jesus' love. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is made possible through financial partners. Would you consider sending a gift to keep our program going? Podcasts have been downloaded in 49 states and 35 nations in the last six months. Please help us expand our reach. Go to drdanny.live and click support this media ministry. That's drdanny.live and click support this media ministry.
0: You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today.
1: Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome back to our show. Today, we're reaching into the vault for a classic interview when I hosted this show in Hawaii. I'm joined with my co-host, Suzanne Maurer. Please enjoy. What is involved, Casey? in working with internationals, refugees, and um, I'm going to say it as we do in America, asylum seekers.
2: (laughs) Well, if anyone's ever considered this, just having the heart is half of what you need. You need a heart that's ready to listen to people's stories and meet them where they are. Um, Some of the people you'll meet in that environment have gone through things you can't understand, at an age you can't fathom. I met one um, young man who looked like he was just entering high school, but he'd already been imprisoned for two years and had uh, had escaped through the bars of the prison in Libya um, because he'd gotten so skinny. That's how he was able to escape. And um, really horrible stories that you have to have a brave face for and have to be able to. Um, respond to not just with pity but with empathy and and love and say you know if this is more important for you to express this to me right now than our lesson that's what we're going to do we're going to sit in this and I'm not going to ask questions and push but I'm just going to be with you and that takes um, courage I think courage
1: what do you think the Lord is preparing you and Jonathan, for any any sense, any glimpse, any impression of what it might hold.
2: Well, what I've seen so far is that God has been there the very moment I've um, stepped foot on a new terrain, and every time it's led me towards um, sharing, sharing with people in their lives deeply, um, often through teaching, as a means of doing that. I hope that God continues. And I'm confident he will to engage me with the international community. Um, We're here in Hawaii because the number of Japanese Americans and, of course, uh, Japanese tourists here is very high. And I think that God has a heart for them to know him more deeply. And that's something I want to be part of. Mm -hmm. Perhaps
1: someone is listening in there saying she speaks with such eloquence. She is... uh, there's a there's a dynamism in her, uh, in her, not only art, 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 articulation but her spirit is so uh, in touch and uh, connected with the Lord in mm-hmm. relation to her life and. But ADHD, she grew up. She 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 has ADHD. She's living with it. How? Someone might say. How, didn't people tell you, you're not, you're not, you, you're not going to be this, or you're not going to be able to do that? And who do you think you are? Well, look what God has done, mm-hmm. and you continue to bloom. What would you say to someone who is facing uh, adversity in their life right now, and maybe even speak specifically to a parent of a child, or maybe a child who's listening, or a teen that's listening?
2: I would I would encourage them like Suzanne had said that our god is so much bigger so much bigger than a diagnosis and that he is the healer on a spiritual level and when your spirit is right before god he will make things right he will make a way for you he will clear paths and if you look at yourself, if I look at myself and the things I make mistakes on or I forget to do or I just misunderstand, I can beat myself up, but that's not who I am in Christ. And more than that, it's not what Christ is doing through me. And, and this is how he made me, full of love. So I think stop looking at yourself and see who God is and look, at, look into the scripture and see what love he has for you. And and keep trying. You know, it's so easy to give up when you face the same challenge again and again. But if you truly see God's love for you, you will see that He doesn't give up. He doesn't give up on you.
1: Was it something the teacher said at the age of 13? Or was it a moment when the Spirit just...
2: you the Spirit came to me the teacher wasn't someone I was close to there had been people much closer to me who had not gotten through it was God's timing God had decided at that moment that he was going to to pick me up in his arms
1: I believe I believe that God is a supernatural God I believe that God is a God who answers prayer. And I believe that God in His divine destiny, and His divine appointment, set, sets moments up like these. And I believe that if we pray, and, in, and if you pray, and I want to ask you to pray, for someone today who, yes, has ADHD, but like you, will long for a transformation. A parent that wants God to work in the life of his child or her child or a grandparent. This could be that moment, a divine moment. Casey, Lynn, can you lead us in a prayer and ask the Lord to work, even as that, the Spirit of God worked when your teacher at age 13 spoke to you.
2: It would be my pleasure. In my honor to come before the throne of my god please pray with me father in heaven great healer great lover you bring us so much hope in the darkness you were there before all things were made you are there with us now and you will always be and with your sovereign power lord you are capable Of not only creating us, but of sculpting and changing us, recreating us throughout our lives. I ask that if there are listeners today who are seeking your recreation, your transformation, that you not only reveal yourself to them in your power, but that you do show your hand, God, and make it one of glory that truly changes who they are but shows who you are and that it leads to your name being made great I ask for this to be something practical I ask for I ask for courage sometimes God the transformation we need is just to have courage to be victorious um, we also pray God we pray for those who are suffering to take heart and look to you as their Savior, at what you did in sending your Son, Jesus Christ, and that they see him and see hope in him and see that the redemption is available for them. God, your love is so deep. And in your love, I ask that you do more than even I have asked today and that you change hearts that have turned away from you that have given up on you I ask that you turn those hearts back to you to seek you and also God that they can find you today in your power you can do all these things and so much more in awaiting your glory we pray in the name of the Son and the Holy Spirit amen
1: Amen. Oh, thank you Casey thank you for being with us Thank you for sharing your heart and your ministry. Encouraging words from Casey Lynn. My friend, God's timing is perfect, and there's no better time than right now to share the love of Jesus with someone near you. And look, if you haven't done so, this might be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Christ. Would you do it? Go to Live for next steps and resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and major podcast platforms. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Casey Lynn. Until next time, along with my co-host Suzanne Maurer, producer Brian Torres, social media director Luke Yamashiro, guest coordinator Jan Yi, and board operator Joseph Valdivieso. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember... The Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today.
0: Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with the good life.